while I realize that starting off a sermon with an apology isn't always the best thing, I'm going to do that this evening. And I'm going to extend an apology to those who are in the evangelism class with James and I, because some of the material you're going to hear tonight you've already heard. Not all of it, but some of it. So if it sounds familiar, I hope that you'll uh, you'll listen to me anyway. For those who haven't heard any of it yet, I hope that it's very beneficial to you this evening. James recently, uh, James Wood recently recommended a book to me, and I read it in preparation for our class. It was a book that's entitled The Traveler's Gift by Andy Andrews. And the basic premise of the, the book is this. There was a man who fell upon some really hard times in his life, and one night he had a wreck, and apparently he went into this sort of dream sequence. Again, this is a fictional book, by the way. And he went back through time, through various stages, and he was able to interact with great people throughout history. Abraham Lincoln, King Solomon, those types of people. And each person that he visited gave him a piece of paper that had on it a decision that he could make in his life that would help make his life better. The book is subtitled, Seven Decisions That Determine Personal Success. And while this book is in no way meant to be a spiritual book or a book that applies to our Christian life, I believe that the principles that he uses there can perfectly be applied to us as Christians. In fact, it's these seven decisions that James and I are currently covering with our uh, evangelism class. But what I would like to do tonight is I want to share with you five decisions that he recommends. And I want to show how if we make these decisions in our spiritual life, we can grow more as Christians, we can be more useful to the Lord in his kingdom and in our service of work as, uh, as we serve God. So tonight I want us to consider these five decisions that every Christian should make. And I hope that these will be useful to you. I hope that we can take these and apply them. And I, I really believe if we take these things and we practice them in our life that we'll see a change in our spiritual life. Before we begin our lesson, let's go to God in prayer together. Dear Lord, it is so good to be here with you this evening. It is so good to be together with our brothers and sisters to spend this time together in singing songs of praise to you and now spending a few moments together studying your word. We pray, Lord, that you will bless us this evening as we study. We pray that our hearts and our minds will be open to think on your word and to ponder the things uh, that are revealed in it. And help us, Father, to apply or to make application to our life so that we can be better servants of yours, that we can be stronger Christians as we go forward from this place and that we can influence someone for good. Father, we pray that you will provide us opportunities to speak to someone about the gospel, and we ask that you will give us boldness to, uh, to proclaim your word when those opportunities arise. Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you for your son whom you sent down, down the cross for our sins. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Decision number one is I will be a responsible Christian. I will take responsibility for my life, and I will take responsibility for my service to God. The buck stops here. I accept the responsibility that my salvation is in my hands. While I realize that in and of myself there is nothing that I can do to save myself from the torment of hell's fire, I accept the fact that if I'm going to go to heaven, it is going to be based upon the grace of God and my accepting His grace by obeying His commands. While there may be temptations that are all around me, while there may be stumbling blocks that Satan puts in my path, 
I cannot use those as an excuse for my unfaithfulness. My righteousness is dependent upon me. Paul told me in Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13, he says, For us to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for His good pleasure. Jesus instructed me in, in the book of Matthew to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And no one can do that for me except me. No one can keep me from seeking the, the good things of God except me. I will claim responsibility for my Christianity. I will accept the responsibility that has been placed upon me by God. I will accept the responsibility that my sins are my own. I cannot use the old line, the devil made me do it. I cannot, use, I, I cannot even go further than that and say my neighbor made me do it, or my co-worker made me do it, or the person sitting next to me, or anyone else made me sin. If I sin, it's because I choose to sin. While I realize that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, I cannot use that as an excuse for my own sin. I am a child of God. And as such, I should abhor sin. But when I do sin, when I fall short, it is not someone else's fault. It is my own. I will be a responsible Christian and I will accept my sin as my own. They are not the fault of someone else. They are because I chose to sin. I will accept the responsibility that my relationship with God will only be as strong as I make. I, I realize and I understand that God is always there. That God is there and He is willing to hear me and He's willing to listen to me and He wants to have a relationship with me, but my relationship with God will only be as strong as I make. And my relationship with God will be based upon my time reading the Word of God. And it will be based upon how much time I spend in prayer. I will accept the responsibility that my attitude needs to be that of the psalmist in Psalm 119 when he says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. If you have a Bible, would you turn to Psalm 119 for me? I want us to, I want us to read a passage here together. Psalm 119, beginning in verse 10. The attitude that the psalmist displays here is the attitude that I have to accept, that I have to assume responsibility for. Psalm 119, let's read together beginning in verse 10. With all my heart I have sought you. Do not let me wander from your commandments. Your word I have treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I have told I have told all, with my lips I have told of all the ordinances of your mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all my riches. I will meditate on your precepts and regard your ways. I shall delight in your statutes, and I shall not forget your word. Deal bountifully with your servant that I may live and keep your word. Open my eyes that I may behold wonderful things from your law. I am a stranger in the earth. Do not hide your commandments from me. My soul is crushed with longing after your ordinances at all times. You rebuke the arrogant, the cursed, who wander from your commandments. Take away reproach and contempt from me, for I observe your testimonies. Even though princes sit and talk against me, your servant meditates on all your statutes. Your testimonies are also my delight. They are my counsel. My soul cleaves to the dust. Revive me according to your word. I have told of my ways, and you have answered me. Teach me your statutes. 
Make me understand the way of your precepts, so I will meditate on your wonders. My soul weeps because of grief. Strengthen me according to your word. I understand that if my relationship with God is going to be strong, and there is going to be effort that is going to be put forth on my part. I have to have this attitude that, Lord, teach me your statutes. Show me your way. Bring me closer to you. I will be a responsible Christian. And I will understand that if my relationship with God is going to be strong, it is going to be based upon what I put into it. But I also understand that as a responsible Christian, teaching others the gospel is up to me. I will no longer sit back and wait for someone else to teach the gospel. I will do it. Preaching the gospel no longer is the preacher's job. It's no longer the elder's job or the deacon's job or the person sitting next to me. It's no longer their job. Preaching the gospel and teaching others about Christ is my job. I will take responsibility for teaching others the gospel. When I open the, when I open the New Testament, I turn over to Mark 16, or I turn over to Matthew 28, and I read the words there of the Great Commission, and I see Jesus say, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He's talking to me. He's not talking to the person sitting next to me. He's not talking to the preacher. He's not talking to anyone else. He's talking to me. My attitude can no longer, my attitude will no longer be, I'll wait for someone else to do it. My attitude now is going to be, if I don't teach someone the gospel, they're never going to hear it. If I don't go and if I don't teach my neighbor about God, my neighbor is going to be lost. No one else is going to go teach them. I have to. I am going to be a responsible Christian. I accept the responsibility for my salvation. I accept that my sins are my own. I accept my relationship with God will only be as strong as I make it. And I accept that if I don't teach the lost, no one will go and teach them. Decision number one, the buck stops here. Second decision that we'll consider is, I will be a person of wisdom. I will seek wisdom. And I'm not, I will not be a person who seeks after the wisdom of the world that can lead to destruction. I will not focus my attention on that type of wisdom because I know what the writer of the book of Proverbs says. In Proverbs 14 and verse 12, he says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but at the end is the way of death. And I realize that later in Proverbs 28 and verse 26, he says, He who trusts in his own heart is a fool, but whoever walks wisely will be delivered. I will not consume myself with worldly wisdom. I will, not, I will not focus my attention there. Rather, I will focus my attention on the wisdom of God. I will seek the wisdom that is revealed in His Word. I will take the words of Proverbs 2, and I will, I will store them up in my heart. In Proverbs chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, Solomon here is writing to his, or is writing to his son, and he is encouraging him to pursue after wisdom. In Proverbs chapter 2 and verse 1, these are the words that, now, that I now take and need to apply and need to store up in my heart. He says, My son, if you will receive my words and treasure my commandments within you, make your ear attentive to wisdom. Incline your heart to understanding. For if you cry for discernment, lift your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver and search for her as hidden treasures, then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. 
For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity. Guarding the paths of justice. And he preserves the way of the godly ones. Then you will discern righteousness and justice. And equity in every good force. For wisdom will enter your heart. And knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will guard you. Understanding will watch over you. To deliver you from the, the way of evil. From the man who speaks perverse things from those who lead the path of uprightness to walk in the way of darkness, to delight in doing evil and rejoice in the perversity of evil. You see, I will understand that seeking after wisdom, seeking after godly wisdom, will provide me re- rewards and benefits that no, other wor- that, that no worldly wisdom can. I'll realize the rewards that are talked about in Proverbs chapter 3 in the very next chapter, beginning in verse 13 where he's continuing the same thought, and he says, How blessed is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. For her profit is better than the profit of silver, and her gain far better than fine gold. She is more precious than jewels, and nothing you desire compares with her. Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways, and all her paths are peace. She is like a tree of life to those who take hold of her, and happy are all who hold her fast. The Lord by wisdom founded the earth, and by understanding he established the heavens. By his knowledge the deeps were broken up, and the skies drip with dew. My son, let them not vanish from your sight. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. So they will be life to your soul and adornment to your neck. Then you will walk in your way securely, and your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Do not be afraid of sudden fear, nor of the onslaught of the wicked when it comes, for the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. I will understand that in seeking godly wisdom, that in being a person of wisdom, there will be great rewards that will, that will benefit me from seeking after this type of wisdom. And I will, I will take that godly wisdom and I will apply it in everyday life. I will take the godly wisdom that I find, and each day when I wake up and I get ready to go to work, I will use wisdom in deciding what I'm going to wear. And I'm going to see is what I'm going to wear appropriate for what a child of God should be wearing. When I decide the places that I'm going to go, I will take the godly wisdom that I have gained, and I will ask myself, is, is where I'm going the place where a child of God should be? When I speak, I will use godly wisdom to ensure that my words are seasoned with salt, as Paul instructed in Colossians chapter 4. Everything I do will be guided by the wisdom that is gained from the Word of God. I am a worker who should not be ashamed. I am fully equipped unto every good work. I will not be a person of worldly wisdom. Rather, I will be one who consumes myself with godly wisdom, and I will use that wisdom in my everyday life. Decision number two is I will seek wisdom from God. Decision number three, I will be a happy person. When people look at me, I want them to see someone who has a smile on their face, who has a joy in their heart that makes them want to ask me, why is it that you're always so happy? Why is it that you always have that smile on your face? Why is it that even when things are going bad, you can laugh and you can smile and you can work your way through it? I want people to see a joy 
in me that they see in no one else. And why shouldn't I be? Why shouldn't I be a happy person? I've had my sins forgiven. I'm a child of God. I have an intimate relationship with the Creator of the universe. I have a family that has no number and has no end. I have a home waiting for me in heaven. I have encouragement all around me. I have, the, I have the mind of God that I can hold in my hand and I can read it as, as if He is speaking to me. Why wouldn't I be happy about that? Why wouldn't I be a person who wants to go out and show people how great and how wonderful it is to be a child of God? I want the world to see how wonderful and how joyous it is to be a Christian. But how can I do that if I'm always upset if I'm always depressed, if I'm always down, if I'm always complaining. I can't. So no more am I going to allow those things to be the characteristics that people see in me. I don't want them to see that anymore. I want them to see the person who is so elated to be a child of God that I can't help but smile about it. I can't help but be happy about it. I can't help but be excited about it. Because it's the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. Even when life is hard. Even when things get me down, even when, even when life treats me rough and Satan begins to pound on me a little bit, that's when I'm going to remind myself of what Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 5. Because Jesus addressed this. He knew that sometimes life was going to be difficult. And so here's what he told me. When I open the Word of God and I turn to Matthew chapter 5, I read that Jesus says this. Most of your versions read blessed, but blessed, the same word means happy. Beginning in verse 3. Happy are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Happy are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Happy are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Happy are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Happy are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Happy are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Happy are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Happy are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Happy are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is in heaven. For in, he for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were, who were before you. Even when life is hard, I'll remember that God, that Christ himself tells me, Blessed are you, happy are you when these things happen because of my name's sake. I'm no longer going to be a person who people look at and they, they can't see joy in me because I have the joy of Christ in my heart. We teach, we teach our little ones that song, I'm going to listen. Starting today, I want people to look at me and see how happy I am to be a child of God. I will be happy because I am richly blessed. I am the richest person in the world. I will even be happy when life is hard. Because, because God told me that I could be. Decision number three. Today, I will choose to be happy. Decision number four. I will be persistent. I must understand that Satan will make life hard as I strive to serve God. He is going to put temptation in front of me. He is going to put barriers of which I have to overcome. He is going to put things in my life that are going to try and stop me from serving Him. I understand that. That will not stop me from serving God. I am persistent. 
And I understand that where most people, when times get tough, allow themselves to be derailed by Satan. I understand that most people, when maybe things get hard, they allow themselves to be drawn away from God. I understand that most people will not complete the journey. I am not most people. I am a child of God. I am one of His chosen. I am, a, I am of the royal priesthood. I am one of His. And so I am going to complete the journey. I have a goal of going to heaven. And I am not going to allow Satan to, to, to keep me from reaching that goal. I know that Jesus said, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also in Matthew chapter 6. I'll remind myself of what Paul said in Philippians chapter 3 when he says, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I am persistent. I have a home that is waiting for me. I realize that heaven is there, and that can be my eternal resting place. I realize this world is not my home. I'm going to be with God one day. I'm only here for a short time. While I'm here, I'm going to do my best to serve the Lord as faithfully as I can. I will not be brought down to the level of this world. Rather, I will rise up. I will lift myself up above the standards of this world, and I will serve the Lord. I am persistent. I'm going to heaven. I must overcome Satan's snares. I must realize that Satan seeks me as a lion seeks out his prey, according to Second or First Peter chapter five. But I will never take my my eyes off heaven. I remember the story of when Peter tried to walk on the water, and successfully walked on the water for a moment, until he began to do what? He began to look around at the waves and the wind and the things that were blowing all about him. And when he took his eyes off of Jesus and he looked elsewhere, what began to happen to him? He began to sink. I realized that if I take my eyes off the goal of heaven and I begin thinking about the things in the world, what's going to happen to me? I realize that I'm going to sink. I'm going to heaven. I am persistent. That's where my goal is. That's where my home is. That's where my father is. And so I, try, so I demonstrate and so I think about my home and my service to God the same way that Joshua felt in Joshua 24. Where he said, And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I understand that Satan will make life hard. I, I understand that temptations will come, but I will serve God regardless. I am not most people. I realize this world is not my home. I am going to heaven. Decision number four. I will persist without exception. And finally, decision number five. I will be a person 
of action. I will not sit on the sidelines any longer waiting for someone else to act. I will act. God has given me talents and I need to use them. I will not wait. I will not be passive. I will be a person of action. Again, I'll go back to Matthew 28 and to Mark 16, where Jesus told me to go and to preach the gospel. Therefore, I will go and do it. I have friends whom I know are lost. I have people that I work with that have never heard the gospel. I have family members who are not Christians. I have people that I come in contact with every day that need to hear the gospel. So I am going to teach it to them. Jesus told me in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16 to shine like a light that is set upon a hill. So therefore I am going to shine. I am going to be a person of action. And I am not going to be ashamed of my Christianity. I am not going to shy away from uncomfortable religious conversations. I'm not going to laugh at dirty jokes, and I'm not going to act like everyone else. Rather, what I'm going to do is I'm going to stand up, and I'm going to act, and I'm going to show everyone that I'm a child of God. And I'm going to talk to people about the gospel. And I'm going to do what's right, even if I am the only one. I'm going to shine like a Christian should. Second Peter chapter 1, verses 5-7, through 7, Peter told me that I am to add to my faith virtue and knowledge and self-control and perseverance and godliness and brotherly kindness and love. I will not wait around for those things to just suddenly happen. Rather, I will actively pursue those attributes in my life. I will read about them in God's Word. I will find others who extol those virtues and I will try and mimic them and I will try and learn from them. I will grow as a Christian. I will not be satisfied with the status quo. Rather, I will push myself to greater heights, to greater service to the Lord. I will not sit on the sidelines and wait for others to act. I will not wait. I will not be passive. Jesus told me to teach, so I will teach. Jesus told me to shine, so I will shine. Peter instructed me to grow, so I will grow. I will be a person of action. I am a person of action. There are other decisions we could talk about. There are other things that we could consider. Mr. Andrews had seven. I only gave you five. But there are other things that we could talk about. There are other, there are other attributes, there are other characteristics that we as Christians need to have. And I hope, I hope that as I, as I presented the lesson and I kept saying I, 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 I hope you were thinking the same thing with me. Because I, because I wanted to, to take the lesson and I didn't want it to be, well, a we should type of thing. I wanted to think about it in terms of us as individual Christians. Here is what I should do. I will be a responsible Christian. I will be a person of wisdom. I will be a happy person. I will be persistent. I will be a person of action. 
Again, when Mr. Andrews wrote this book, I don't believe he wrote the, he, he designed these things to be necessarily used in the sermon. But I think they fit perfectly. And I think if we take these things and we apply them to our lives, that we'll see changes in our spiritual life. We'll see ourselves growing stronger. We'll see ourselves growing closer to God. We'll see ourselves becoming more of the servant that we need to be. The thing about this is that it's very personal. It's very personal. We have to sit down and we have to look at ourselves in the mirror and we have to say, I want to do those things. If, you, if we see that these things are right, if we see that these things look good for our service to God, then we have to sit down and say, I need to do these things. I need to make these decisions. You see, the entire point of the book that Mr. Andrews wrote was showing showing the life of this of this man. His name was David Ponder. And how things had been so rough for him. But a lot of the things that, that had happened, he could change. He had control over. And again, this is probably a book written for the business world. But if we see that our spiritual life isn't where it needs to be, if we see that we're not serving as diligently as we should, if we see that we are allowing ourselves to veer off the path, those are things that we can control. Those are changes that we can make to make our life, to make our service to God more of what it needs to be.